Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a quick look at a trailer for Anki Drive. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, editor at Popular Science, Corinne Iozio, and tonight's guest, Anki CEO, Boris Softman. Wow. So here we are. Um, Boris. Thanks for coming, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we want to thank everybody for, for coming out. Um, Anki is a product that we've been paying a lot of attention to at Popular Science, so uh, it's a great opportunity for you guys to sort of get a better sense of what it is, what it's about, because it really is not much like anything else that you've ever seen. Um, so Boris, first of all, can you sort of tell us, Anki's a new company, what sort of drove you to found it? What's your mission? Absolutely. Thanks, Corinne, for uh, joining us tonight, uh, by the way. Real, real pleasure to have you. So Anki is a robotics and artificial intelligence company. Uh, we started it back in graduate school while we were studying robotics at Carnegie Mellon. And the goal was to take these technologies that we become familiar with robotics, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and bring them out of the labs and into consumer products to, uh, to do things that have never been possible before and to create products that would really surprise people. So Anki Drive is your very first product. Why did you decide to sort of go in a much more consumer direction as opposed to you know, other places where robotics might work well, like health and home technology? Yeah. Yeah, well, traditionally, so many of uh, the technologies in robotics have focused on defense, space, agriculture, industrial applications, some healthcare, but very little was actually making it into consumer products. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Um, it's uh, most, most applications in robotics, it doesn't matter if you use a $10,000 sensor. It's just you, you want to get the, the robot to be intelligent to work, but it doesn't matter if it costs a lot of money. If you want to make a consumer product, uh, you have to be very creative in, in what sort of technologies you use in order to be able to sell something at a price point and reliability that makes sense for a consumer product. And it felt to us like that was a uh, underappreciated and underfocused on area in, uh, in, in our field where there's opportunities, especially today when you look at uh, the prices and capabilities of components, mobile devices, uh, and how prevalent they've become there's an opportunity to combine them to do things that you would never think to be possible and frankly even five years ago would not be possible. Right. So speaking of the possibilities, um, Anki really is, our Anki Drive, the product, is something that really hasn't been achieved before, that it's a video game that plays out in real life. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about sort of what the inspiration is, like coming from video games and what were the challenges of bringing that to the physical world. Yeah, so we started fo focusing on entertainment and we wanted to do something really interesting and that's to combine the best elements of physical and virtual entertainment 
into, uh, into a product that hadn't been possible before. So you look at the physical side, um, there's, there's something really powerful about the physicality of things. You have thing, uh, characters that you can collect, you can hold them, you touch them, you name them. It's, uh, it's something that's really powerful and innate to humans that you kind of lose when you go into a screen. But at the same time, um, when you look at what's been possible in the video game space, it's pretty remarkable. You have characters that evolve, worlds expand, gameplay changes. You can play a completely different game on day one versus the second week or the second month. And probably the most important thing is that in a video game, it's easy to take for granted the fact that you almost always have many characters. And it's even if you're controlling them or maybe the game's controlling them, it's that interaction between them that creates this diversity of situations that keeps things fun. Um, but at the same time, all of that's trapped on the screen and no one's really been able to pull it out and maintain those elements of gameplay in physical form. And so what we set out to do at Anki was to do something that nobody else had done before. It was to create this new category of entertainment at this intersection of toys, video games, and mobile devices where we could literally program video games on top of physical characters in the real world. So when you talk about sort of programming a video game onto what just appears to be a basic remote-controlled car. What sort of components do you have to work into the car in order to allow it to act like a video game? That's a good question. This is the fundamental problem in robotics. So in robotics, the whole field is about having physical things understand where they are in their environment and then come to life with software and be able to move precisely and be intelligent. And so for us, when we want a character in Drive to come to life and be intelligent, it needs to understand exactly where it's located in the environment. So we call that positioning. So that means that it knows exactly where it is and everything that's around it. Once you have positioning, you can do reasoning and create intelligence where each character can think about what it wants to do and how to react to its situation. And then finally, uh, is execution is making it happen in the physical world where you have to deal with physics, high-speed driving, slip, and all those things. Um, but the really powerful aspect is, is that when you combine those capabilities and you have physical characters that understand where they are and can move precisely, you can just abstract away everything that's physical and just treat them as if they're virtual characters in a video game. And so then we can go and, in software, give them a personality, give them intentions, uh, give them special abilities and weapons that actually bring themselves to life in the game, let you play against opponents that, where you don't control the, some of them. And so we could actually play a game where there's three, four cars, and you and I might control two of them, but the rest of them come to life and actually behave in a way that you would expect a video game character to behave, mm -hmm. except it's in physical form. Right. Um, so, but what's actually happening is there's none of this like very sophisticated processing and artificial intelligence. It's not on the cars themselves. So some of it is on the cars. So it's a, it's a very intentional split where the cars are in charge of their basic capabilities. So being able to drive precisely, being able to know where they're located, uh, being able to toggle their lights, communicate information back and forth. And they're actually thinking 500 times a second, sensing where they are and reacting to it. But then they're communicating all of that to the mobile devices that run the game. And that, in effect, becomes the brain behind everything that's happening. And so the video game is happening inside the phone. And that's where um, all of the logic, the AI, the deeper uh, kind of processing, the fact that we're thinking about thousands of actions for these AI characters every second, all that happens on a mobile phone. And so it's kind of this intentional split where the uh, the intensive computations happens on a mobile device, but there's almost like an instinctual and basic functionality in each of the cars where they actually have a computer inside each of them that helps them do these things. 
Um, so when you start thinking about the cars going around the track, like if we were to look at the track with our naked eye, it just looks like a black track. How can the cars interpret where they are? This is, this is part of the really interesting aspects of it. Um, so in order to make this function, the track is a really key part of it. It's, it works specifically with the cars and with uh, the software on the uh, mobile phones to do what it does. So everything that looks like the track to you and me, it's actually special kinds of ink and optics tricks. It's completely transparent to the characters and they see right through it and they see a special code or scheme underneath that gives them all the information they need. And so they see all this information and to, to you and I, it just looks like a track. And that's one of the most uh, uh, unique aspects that allows them to do what they're doing. So that's one of the things, um, it's interesting because if you look, if you think about a normal toy car set or a slot car set, like it's very easy to drive off the track or you need a protective rail to stay on. The mm -hmm. cars know whether or not they're on the track. That's right. There's, and there's no slots, there's no tracks, there's no magnets or electronics inside of it. It's the cars working really, really hard to execute the trajectories that they're executing. And in fact, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're kind of geeks at Anki, and so we actually did the math. And if you take one of the cars and you actually um, let it go full speed uh, mm -hmm. to what we can handle, and you scaled it up to real world size, it would be equivalent to you or I driving down a highway 250 miles an hour with a concrete wall on either side, a tenth of an inch of each of our mirrors, and actually staying within that wall. So that's what the cars are doing. And the interesting thing is that even if you were to control a car, it's, it's helping you execute your desire, uh, desired uh, actions and behaviors way beyond your typical means. And if you were just openly remote controlling a car uh, just off the, uh, off the shelf some other car, you would never be able to actually stay on the road. Right. Sort of like I can drive a Ferrari in Gran Turismo, but I can't really drive a Ferrari in real life. Kind of like that. It helps you out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, to go back a little bit about, you know, thinking about different enhancements with the cars, you know, it's a lot more than just driving around the track. Yes. Uh, how do they interact with each other? Yeah, uh, so one of the reasons I call them characters is because they really are characters. They evolve, and the gameplay that's tied to them evolves with them. So the car you get in a base set um, comes with uh, the two characters, um, the silver and the yellow car, Bozan and Karai. Mm -hmm. They come in, some, in a basic form, but the more you play, you earn experience points, and you can spend those experience points to actually upgrade those characters. And this is where the video game element comes in. Mm -hmm. Let's say you earned enough to, uh, to purchase an engine upgrade on your car. Your car will now physically drive faster than it did before, and that information actually stays with, with your character. And if you go to a friend's house, it's actually on your car, so it doesn't matter. It's not on your device. Your friend can borrow your car and use, and use it, and he'll see it in exactly the form that you left it at. And so it's, it's like a role-playing game in a video game where over time you evolve it, you unlock new abilities, new weapons, new special abilities, new, uh, new engine parts, uh, shields, speed acceleration, and you define how you want to evolve your character where by the time you've played it for five, 10 hours, you have a car that's superior to a base level car and it matches your personality and your playing style. And that's what makes uh, that already existing emotional connection that people have with everything that's physical, it makes it even stronger because of the fact that they're cultivating this character and it's not just any Korai character, it's your personal Korai character. Right. Um, so since all of this is happening in software, there's nothing physically changing about the cars. So how can that sort of evolve over time? Like, because right now you have, you know, your certain sets of functions, like you can have a tractor beam or a a blaster, I forget the, the word that you use. Um, the pulse carbine. The pulse carbine, forgive <laughs> me. Um, 
but those things can change over time. Like yeah. the sort of the system's kind of future proof. Yeah, this is this is the one of the most beautiful aspects of having something that's so deeply defined in software. Every element of the gameplay, the capabilities, the rules, even the AI and the personalities of the characters. And what that means is that we can update the app uh, on, that runs on the mobile devices, on, on iOS devices. That app can actually update the software on the cars. And what that means is that as we push new updates and we continually expand the depth of how you can evolve your character, the types of weapons and abilities that you have, the gameplay types, even new characters and environments, you'll always be able to have the latest, the most up-to-date experience because it's software that defines everything. And when you think about physical entertainment in general, it's, a, it's an industry that's been pretty much um, monopolized by uh, iterations in plastics, very simple components, basic, basic electronics. Right. And now we're coming into this space where we have a gameplay that's completely defined by software and we can change it every month if we want to and continually expand the experience. It's a, it's a pretty powerful weapon and it's something that in this type of, um, in this type of product it just has never been possible before. Um, you said something interesting that had never occurred to me before that you can change the car's environment. So it, does that mean you can sort of change the driving conditions or um, how it moves on the track, how it responds to the road? Absolutely. And so a lot of this is um, it's tied both to the character and to the rules and the environment that, that they race in. So for example, like let's say you upgrade your engine so far where your car can physically uh, drive uh, faster than it's you know, able to handle on a turn. If a car starts slipping and drifting, the software inside the car will actually fight to stay in control. And that becomes part of your strategy to kind of slingshot yourself around because now, you, just like a sports car example, you have a car that where it takes real skill beyond what you need for the base experience in order to really control it. Likewise, we're already working on other, uh, other gameplay modes and other expansions to, um, uh, to the experience that are very software heavy where when we unlock this, your exact same characters will now be able to um, operate in a completely different uh, context with different rules, different purposes, and different intentions, even though you have the exact same hardware. And that's, how, that's the power of software. And in fact, when you look at the breakdown of, of um, our engineering team inside the company, it's probably about three-fourths on the software side because so much of the complexity we've tried to push into software because that's what lets us make a, uh, a reliable and low-cost hardware product. Um, so, in so your background generally, everybody sort of comes together to bring together this world of software and hardware. Why? So it's easy to sort of look at it and say, well, why can't I just play the app on my phone? Why do you need the physical piece? The physical part is what makes us so powerful. It's, it's pretty much the only reason that the toy industry even exists, uh, if you think about it traditionally, where fundamentally it hasn't changed too much since the 60s or 70s, yet it's a massive industry. It's because there's kind of this innate connection with something that is a physical thing and not something on a screen. And it doesn't stop with, with kids. In fact, adults have it as well. It's just that the capabilities of physical entertainment have never kept up. And so that's why everybody's started shifting towards the digital side. If you can bring over some of the elements that make video games and digital entertainment so, uh, so enjoyable and so entertaining, suddenly everything that you do that's equivalent in the physical world just amplifies itself because there's this, uh, there's this surprise value and this kind of natural connection with the fact that you have a character that you can see and you can change your vantage point and you can interact and you can circle around it with your friends. It's more powerful than anything you could do on a screen. 
Uh, so what are the different ways to play? Like you and I could obviously race, but there are other, that's not the only way to interact with mm -hmm. Anki. Yeah, and so uh, one of the most unique things about it is that, um, that let's say you have four characters, four cards. If you and I invite two friends over, all of us can play. Each of us will have a, a mobile device, we'll each control a character, and we'll, have, we'll be playing a video game in physical form, we'll equip our own characters, we'll have our own strategies. It's very skill-based, and we'll have a great time. It gets competitive. We have, uh, it gets really, really competitive at times. But let's say nobody's there, and you want to play by yourself. You can actually play a game against three opponents without having to have three friends nearby. You can play against three AI characters. They'll each have their own skill levels, their own personalities. They'll use whichever cards you give them with their upgrades and with the, uh, the weapons that you've uh, unlocked. And you can actually have a full game gaming experience against three opponents without having to have anybody nearby, and all that can run off of one mobile device. And that's just a game at this point where the initial version's focused on this almost like a battle racing mode. Over time, we're gonna release a lot of uh, additional gameplay types, environments, and characters, each of which uh, increase the depth and diversity of gameplay that you can have. So one phone has enough juice or power to basically orchestrate a race with four individual cars. That's right. And one of the most interesting uh, things and kind of observations that, uh, that, became, uh, that dawned on us pretty quickly is that when you look at the video game industry, AI gets starved. Everything in computation usually goes to graphics. And right now it's kind of an arms race where people want more and more sophisticated graphics. Well, for us, the graphics are the physical world. So that comes for free, if you will, as long as you uh, handle it the right way. Um, and what that means is that we can actually put 85, 90% of our computation into the AI and use that to make the characters incredibly intelligent with personality, make them sneaky, make them smart, make them evasive. And at the hardest skill level, the interesting thing is that um, we don't cheat. The AI uses the exact same rules and structures of the game, but it is incredibly difficult to beat where almost nobody in our office can actually beat the AI on hard. And that's what, that's what makes us so amazing is that you can play against this character that nobody's controlling and you feel like it's stalking you and it's getting behind you and it's trying to figure out a way to just outsmart you mm -hmm. and it does a pretty good job of it too. And yet somehow there's never like a collision course. Like it's precise enough that you're never really crashing into each other. That's right. So uh, you can crash into cars if you want. It's part of the game and the cars will still, uh, will, they'll fight against it and stay on the road, uh, correct, the, correct themselves if they spin around. But um, they, they do a really great job of helping you execute all of the maneuvers you're trying to execute without going off the track. Um, there's virtual buffers, if you will, on the sides where you, know, you try to steer off the road, you'll kind of hit this virtual buffer that keeps you on the track and it's completely virtual. The AI cars will, uh, they'll get close, but they'll most of the time be able to swerve around you. Although sometimes it's part of their personality, they'll, they'll disable you and then they'll give you a, a little love tap and like whack you on the way, on the way through just to, just to rub it in a little bit. And that's, that just happens to be part of the personality. In fact, it's, it's one of those things that um, was almost a surprising element of designing the gameplay. Um, when, we, when we think about robotics traditionally, you're trying to do, to do things optimally. You're trying to do it in uh, the most efficiency by avoiding obstacles with the biggest margin, very kind of algorithmically intense. That's not necessarily what translates to the most fun actions. And so when we started optimizing the AI, actually making it intentionally jerky and a little more aggressive to where it clips you sometimes, that makes it feel like it's more alive. And that's the sort of balance between the kind of rigorous uh, robotics uh, uh, infrastructure under the hood and this more subjective um, 
uh, art of making gameplay fun and intuitive, that was one of the most interesting explorations that we had to do. Gotcha. Well, uh, speaking of gameplay, you guys want to see this thing work, right? All right. Let's do it. So I figured I'd, uh, I'd start with a, um, with a small demo of just the capabilities of the cars and the characters, show you what they're able to do, and then uh, Corinne's going to take her uh, chances first against me, and uh, that's not too impressive. And then she's going to take her chances against the AI. And yeah. we'll he see. likes to pretend he hasn't played this game for days and that I've played <laughs> it for like 20 minutes. I used to exploit all the bugs that were in the system and know exactly how to, like, how to, how to sneak by. And then all the engineers closed my bugs. And now I'm like, it's like my kryptonite. I have to, like, <laughs> I have to win by normal rules. So I have an iPod Touch here. And so this uh, initial uh, demo here, it's going to run off the iPod Touch. We use Bluetooth Low Energy, so any iOS de device that uses BTOE uh, can, uh, can run Anki Drive. And um, so let me show you how this works. Okay, you want to do the honors? Put them on the track and give them a little push. Does it matter which way he goes? Doesn't matter. Uh, put this guy that way. And so the cars, they can completely drive themselves. They understand exactly where they are. They sense the road. They know when they're on a turn, when they're on a straightaway. And they're communicating at all times with our app. And so we can tell them to do very uh, interesting things. We can have them control their speeds very precisely. And we can have them steer almost arbitrarily where there's no slots, no tracks. They can do whatever they want. And they'll execute it really, really precisely. And so these, in some sense, become the building blocks behind the video games that we program in the real world, where we can actually have the characters interact uh, in very intelligent ways, uh, coordinate with each other. And all of this works because they know where they are at all times. They're communicating it back to the device. And uh, oh, you throw one back on. And um, we're, in effect, running a video game inside the phone and using AI and robotics to match the physical world. And so uh, what that means is that uh, we can do some really interesting things. So let's say we wanted to give the uh, yellow car here, Korai, a weapon. Weapons enabled. So now he's got a gun. <laughs> and he can actually use it to take out another character. And so just like in a video game, one car shoots, the other one reacts to being shot. Just like in a game. So everybody always feels sorry for the silver car. So we bring him back to life and give him a special ability called the tractor beam. He can use it, suck the other car in, get his revenge. And just like a game, we can bring all these elements to life. And this guy, is, he's pretty arrogant. He always shows off at the end here. But, but these become the building blocks for all the things that we want to do in the future uh, to make the actual game. And so, Corinne, do you want to take, your, uh, take a shot? Sure, and I'll give cover us a try? there. I feel like I should right. sit cross-legged on the floor. <laughs> here we go. There we go. So Stefan's going to set us up here. All right. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do a game with, uh, we'll do three characters. Okay. So you and I will control a car, and we'll make one of the cars controlled by the AI. Okay. And just for fun, we'll make it hard. See what happens. See what happens. This is not going to go well. This is not <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sneaky. The red car is going to be the bad guy, right? Uh, the red car is going to be the bad guy. Okay, yeah. good. We can, we'll, we'll try to gang up on him. 
You guys have been getting a really great response so far. You've only been on the market for about a week and a half. Yeah, it's, it's been fantastic. So, uh, yeah, we launched on the 23rd. We're in every single Apple store in North America, apple.com and on our website. And so far, it's been fantastic. Uh, the reviews, the, the social media, people seem to really just enjoy this type of experience. A lot of it's been, um, I guess, the, uh, uh, the, the enthusiasts that just rushed out, got it on day one, and they're playing it with their friends, with their kids. And, right. and this is fun because it's something that they've been able to play with their five, six, seven-year-old kids and actually still have fun in the meantime. And there's kind of a natural balancing and handicap that, that makes it fun for everybody right. involved. Yeah, no worries. And uh, go ahead and select uh, your character. All okay. Right. So you are uh, Boson Silver. Okay. I'll be um, I'll be Katal, the blue car, and the red car will be the AI car. We're going to hold them off for now. Um, you'll be happy uh, happy we did. And uh, let's start. Okay. Okay. So as you drive. The cars completely drive themselves, so you see how uh, it'll follow the road. You control your speed by pulling up and down on the throttle, and you steer just like a, uh, a steering wheel to go towards the inside and outside, okay. and the cars will automatically uh, uh, execute that, so you can just turn it left and right yeah. like this. Yep. How are you so much faster than me? Did we upgrade my car? No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> so, okay, so you got the hang of it. Now, mm -hmm. most importantly, your, uh, your base weapon is a basic machine gun called the Pulse Carbine. So go ahead okay. and get behind me and uh, give it a try. So if you tilt towards the inside, there you go. Yep. There you go. All right. Uh -huh. Just like that. Not too bad. And uh, I, can, um, I can go and get my revenge. Mm. And so you notice how you hear bullets puncturing your metal. Right. So speakers connected to your device. So you start seeing the elements of realism in the game. All right, so you got the, uh, you got the basics of it. Okay. Let's give it a try with, uh, with Rome. So I'm going to take my car off for a second. Okay. So nobody's controlling the red car. The red car is completely controlling himself. And, and he's, he's just uh, going to, okay. <laughs> All right, I see how so, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so run, run, run. <laughs> As he'll stalk you. He'll get behind you. And yeah. All right, I, I need, you need, oh. I'm going to help out here. Okay, good. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so I got shields on my car, so I can defend a little bit. But yeah, so he's he's That's actually great. like stalking you, and he won't let you. Uh, That's great. You have shields and things. I have the yep. base. You, model. you have a tractor beam, which is uh, kind of like a. <laughs> All right. Whoop. Oh. Uh, so this is this is the AI on hard. It's not that nasty on uh, easy and medium. I usually do better against it. This is actually kind of, I'm embarrassing myself against my own game. There we go. Oh, and He and is so, nasty. And so the more you play, uh, you start earning special abilities, weapons, where, I'm going to get my revenge here, where over time, oh, there we go. I got a, I got a, a oh, kill on him. Sorry. So over time, my bad. you get special abilities, you get weapons, and you could actually be in a game in real time, swapping between three, four, five abilities in real time and gotcha. it becomes a real kind of checks mm -hmm. and balances where it's a video game in the physical world. And so as the, uh, okay, so that's, okay, game over. That's, uh, yep. so the AI just, um, yeah, took us out. So that was uh, 10 to two to one. So that's <laughs> not, yeah, he's, <laughs> so global challenge. Somebody needs to beat 
three AI characters on hard simultaneously. As far as we know, nobody's ever been able to do that. And, uh, and they don't cheat. It's a, it's a yeah. legit game. And you just have to see if you can do that. Mm -hmm. And so this, uh, this is um, the most basic experience of the game until okay. you start upgrading it and unlocking new features and abilities. And it's the sort of thing that, um, until you experience it, it's very hard to describe exactly what it is. But it's a lot of fun when you actually have the chance to play this game in physical form where um, it's, it's unlike anything you've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's time for you to answer some questions. Sure. From someone other than me. <laughs> it's so cool. I, I like. I, I I I haven't got one yet, but uh, hopefully soon. Um, <laughs> I'll let you know. So like, so you talked about how um, the gameplay will change and different environments will change. What about the physical track itself? Now I know this is like this is like first generation. Um, mm -hmm. But is your R and D team thinking of like making actual like new track layouts to yeah. incorporate into the game? So. Absolutely. So when you when you look at this, what makes it special is the technology under the hood and the fact that the cars can understand exactly what environment they're on. And so what that means is we can literally print new environments with you know with the special kinds of schemes and techniques that we're doing. And whatever environments we make in the future, all characters will be able to understand them. And so that's a uh, that's a very very important aspect of Anki Drive to us is to add that diversity and keep things really interesting. That's awesome. I can't wait for it. Fantastic. Thank you. Hi there, I'm Natasha. Hi, Natasha. Hi. Um, so I have two images in my mind of you. One of a robotics student in grad school, and then another of this like amazing product with a great brand and a really nice look to it. And I just was wondering, what was the moment where you knew that you had it and you decided to turn it into this? Oh, well, first of all, thank you uh, very much. Um, so we, you know, we, we started um, while we were in grad school, actually. It was, 2008, uh, so we've been at this for a while, and it was, uh, it was very much moonlighting and avoiding our thesis and working on the, uh, on the living room table with the figurative ramen noodles uh, uh, for our diet. So it's amazing what you can do with the, um, I guess, uh, the tenacity and um, uh, the tolerance for, um, for uh, kind of pain and punishment that you, uh, that you get when you're grad students. And so initially it was um, this, this project where we wanted to see if we could make characters um, come to life and become interactive and to do things that were never possible in physical form. Um, and so we actually spent the better part of three and a half years just working on that underlying uh, capability. Uh, just having a character draw, uh, be able to understand where it is. So the first time, like a year into it, we had um, a computer that was able to visualize the track and a car driving on that track. Like that was like earth shattering to us and we just were, were blown away and so excited. And then, uh, and then we had a, a little bit before that, we had a car being able to drive and actually execute a motion and it would drive like 30 centimeters a second back then and we thought that was like so fast. We're like, all right, done. We don't need to go any faster. Now let's, let's shift to the eye. And now we're like probably eight times as, as fast as that um, at our max. Um, and so it was, it was really hard for us to think about the final product until we had the underlying capabilities really worked out. And when it all started to come together was probably a couple years ago where um, we felt that we had the underlying structure to be able to think of the physical world like a video game, like a virtual world, basically. And we implemented kind of a very simple proof of concept, being able to steer with a joystick at that point, um, kind of a little gamepad, um, being able, with this ugly antenna connected to our laptops, being able to um, 
shoot, shoot a weapon and just actually see it physically respond uh, in physical form. Um, and that's when we were uh, fortunate enough to meet some really great partners. We raised some investment. Um, we started building out the company. We brought on uh, really experienced video game designers and developers. Um, we shifted to using iOS devices because when we started, uh, you c there wasn't even a concept of an iPhone app. Um, you, that didn't come until like 2008, I think, or 2009. Um, and so everything just came together in terms of timing and people and um, uh, and uh, and just uh, and the the sort of kind of milestones that we were able to hit. Where um, over the last couple of years. Um, we were four people um, as of a year and a half ago in March, and now we just crossed 50 people. So it's been a really wild year and a half since. Um, so uh, that's you know kind of a, a compressed version of the story, but um, it was very much like initially kind of this natural curiosity and exploration into what would, might be possible. Um, and then over time, um, you know, we, we started thinking about all the different elements we needed to bring around it to actually make it come to life. Um, and mass produce it, be able to have a brand around it, be able to have real gameplay and all the other elements that are necessary to do this. Hey, Boris, I'm Mike. Uh, hey. So quick question. Um, so I've played this before, um, which was really, really fun. Uh, I actually kind of want to get it. And now I'm watching it even more. I kind of just want to play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest question I had is when I was playing, I played with a couple of people, and they always talked about, how cool it would be to like if there were cones or like something in your way besides the car or besides the AI. Is that going to come? I know like he just asked about the actual track itself, the drawing of it changing. Mm -hmm. Will that be able to be something that's added on that we can get or? Yeah, so uh, it depends on, uh, on one element because the cars, the way they work is they, um, they have a sensor looking downward so they understand exactly where they are, but they don't have a camera looking ahead. But what we can do is bring elements of the track to life because the, the art and everything around the track itself, those are things that we know in the so in software what's going on. So if you'll notice on this track, there's a little striped uh, line here that looks a lot like a uh, starting line for a race. So maybe that someday there's gonna be a mode that makes use of that in a really fun way. Likewise, all the elements that we release in the future, there are these, um, uh, there are these parts of the physical world that you just used to being completely static, but if uh, because we're trying to think ahead and uh, and plan for what we may want to do in the future, um, we're trying to always think about what we want to bring to life out of the physical world to actually um, be able to um, increase the gameplay. Now, when you think about other types of accessories. Cars aren't the only thing that we could do. Uh, they just have to be intelligent accessories, right? And so there's, uh, there's elements that we're thinking about on how to bring the experience to life even further, where just because uh, a car, um, you know, just because we have a car that moves around and needs to be intelligent with respect to what's going on doesn't mean there's not something else that might be completely different form that does something just as interesting but isn't a car that's driving on the track. So uh, we're, we're having the exact same brainstorming sessions that you guys are having. You said that Drive was your first product. I was wondering what other things you're going to apply this technology to. It's a very good question. Um, so we are uh, we're very careful to make uh, to make sure that we're at heart a robotics and artificial intelligence company, not a entertainment company. Even um, this is something that we want to do extremely well, and it's very important to us, especially uh, looking ahead at uh, a lot of the ideas that we have for this ecosystem and the things in the future. But um, what we're doing with Anki Drive is actually we're building very robust technological building blocks. There are core problems in robotics, positioning, motion control, wireless communications, AI path planning. And so we look at these as 
these tools that when we look ahead at all the applications that we have in mind, they're a foundation that makes it easier for us to do things with products two, three, four, and beyond that we would never be able to do with product one because we can reuse these technological pieces uh, to have a starting point that cuts off years of, and years of development. Um, and the exciting thing about robotics is that even when you completely change the context and um, the application, the industry, the flavors of problems actually stay very similar. You're still dealing with uncertainty in sensor data. You're still dealing with positioning and understanding your environment. You're still dealing with AI and path planning algorithms. And whether it's a car that's sneaking up behind you and, and terrorizing you with, uh, uh, with, its, with its abilities, or something navigating around a home, or even an arm that's picking up something on a table, it's still the same, uh, same family of algorithms that you would use to solve these problems. And so for us, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit vague of an answer, but we're very much thinking about the long game where there's this opportunity to have robotics and AI um, touch on almost every aspect of your daily lives. Thanks, my name's Tim. Hi, um, great product, I love it. One of the yeah. things that you said earlier that I thought was really fascinating was how by not needing to focus on the visual aspect, you free up kind of 85% of the resources. When, you're, when you started putting together the company and hiring people, did that kind of blow some of the programmers' minds of like, this approach that I've always taken, I don't need to take anymore? And, and sort of what went through their heads and the process that you were creating? And uh, that, that was really interesting to me. It's, a, it's kind of a humbling experience because nobody actually has the perfect background to work on this. None of us did. Every single person that came into the company had to kind of rethink and be agile and adjust to the constraints here. And so when you think about a game designer, all of a sudden um, you have real constraints in the physical world, but you also have real benefits where things just, th they're amplified uh, in terms of their impact. And so when you think about um, how do I visualize a, um, a special ability like a tractor beam or maybe a machine gun like a weapon, um, it's... Uh, you have different tools at your disposal. So we have very precise um, motion controls, so the, how the car physically reacts. We have very precise sound effects, and it's actually split between your devices. So let's say you and I are playing, and you're behind me, like, taking it out on me. On your device, you're going to hear your gunfire ladder with the kind of muffled damage in the background. On my device, I'll actually hear bullets puncturing my metal and breaking my glass with kind of gunfire in, in the background for me. And so it personalizes it. My car's tail lights will start flickering like a, like a malfunction. Your gun turrets will be flickering. And so it's amazing how well your brain fills in the gaps in order to make that feel realistic, even though the pieces are, in, in a lot of ways, more, more constrained than what you have in, uh, in a video game. And so when we, when, when we start thinking about, um, started thinking about the gameplay here, it was very hard from a game design standpoint because now you have these very difficult interface challenges where we want to make sure that people are looking at the game and not their screen and maybe just glancing on their screen. But yet at the same time, the screen has to multitask as like your controller, your weapons, your weapon systems, your abilities, you swap in real time, um, the sound effects, the game design, the progression system. Like we wanted to find a balance where it's a game that's very intuitive and easy to play on day one for a five-year-old but at the same time, if you have a group of 30-year-olds sitting around, you can actually uh, like have a game that's very skill-based and gets harder and harder and deeper, um, and the best person will actually find ways to, uh, to outmaneuver the opponents. Um, and that was a really hard challenge, and it's something that we're still iterating on and still finding new ways to, uh, to improve on it. And the benefit to us is, uh, are the things that we talked about, where because it's all every aspect of what we're talking about here is defined by software. We can make improvements on this every single month if we want to, and we turn the life cycle of a hardware product, which is typically you know, 12, 18 months, into the life cycle of software, which could be once a week if you wanted to.
Boris, thanks for coming. Um, I was interested in seeing um, how you felt about being invited to WWDC and presenting in front of an audience of tech enthusiasts and getting an instant user response. What was that, what was that like for you? Uh, th thanks for the question. It was, uh, it was an amazing honor um, and very scary at the same time. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, uh, we couldn't be happier. I mean, it's, not, it's obviously not something that we could uh, plan for, but we were lucky enough to have Apple um, uh, get excited about this, not just from a product standpoint, but in the way that um, uh, they were using their product ecosystem in a, in a way that nobody else had used it before. Um, and so when we had the chance to come up there, um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty amazing. And it was a really fun time because the entire audience, um, there was a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of press, but the bulk of the audience was developers. It's a developer conference. And so the reaction of developers is, um, uh, it was amazing because every single thing that goes well or uh, or doesn't go well is like amplified and they completely feel for you because they're they were there and they know exactly what it's like and so it was the most um, the most supportive crowd you could ever imagine um, yeah definitely an experience of a lifetime you're lucky it wasn't just press we're a tough room yeah the the, the press wouldn't have gone as easy on us I think <laughs> yeah but um yeah uh, so Apple's been um, amazing to us every step of the way and uh, that's why we're so happy to um, to be working with them for the launch of Anki. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in thanking Boris Soffman for being here from Anki. Yeah.